and welcome to the week 13 edition of the mega podcast here on the lines.com. Matt Brown, Adam Candy, Steven Andrus, everything we do absolutely free. So take one second right now, hit that subscribe button down below. If you're watching us over on the YouTube channel, and if this is just the audio version, go ahead. Five, four, three, two, one. See, I give you plenty of time to go and hit the subscribe button there. Get a rating, hit a five-star rating. Really do appreciate that. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine at Steven Anders one, at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y, at Matt Brown, M2. Got a very interesting week of games, some pretty tight spreads. None of these massive lines that we have been seeing in the last few weeks. So we'll see. How are we going to tackle some of these, or are these going to be complete pass? Of course, we'll give you our thoughts on each and every game, whether we have a bet in our accounts or not. So let's kick things off here, fellas, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Atlanta Falcons. This one, you can find... Atlanta as a one point favorite, you can find the Steelers as high as a one and a half point favorite. There's also pickums out there. So you get kind of what this is likely to do between now and the time this kicks off. It's going to ping pong back and forth between both teams being one point favorites. Not really all that significant unless you're playing one of these teams in a teaser leg. Forty two and a half is your total. There are some 42s out there as well. So. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers plus a point and a half in my account. One of the first bets I made this week. Now I got, I don't think that I'm buying at the highest point with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know the counterpoint to this. If somebody's backing the Falcons is going to be that, Hey, primetime win for the Steelers. This is, uh, this number should be bigger. You're buying in at their highest point, but I don't really know if I am. And here's my angle in this fellas is, I actually think I'm just kind of buying in on the Steelers on an upswing, but I don't think I'm buying in at them on the highest point. I think Kenny Pickens is starting to figure out the game a little bit better. I mean, last week, if you look at those counting stats and you say, oh man, it didn't really, it didn't really blow anything away. Well, yeah, but they didn't throw the ball in the second half. Now that's not on him. That's on the sidelines and the people that are calling the place. He can only do as a rookie what they're telling him to do. And in the first half, I think he looked fine. I think George Pickens, looked fine. I think that Watt looks fine for the Steelers team. So I think that they're, you know, kind of in that if we power rated them, which we do one to 32 every week over on the lines.com, you know, they're in that like high twenties, low teens, like, you know, they're kind of they're below average, but not, not, not one of the worst teams in the league. And I think the Falcons are certainly on the other trajectory heading downward. Adam, I'll start with you. Cause I know that Steven and I are kind of on the same, same page when it comes to this one. Um, Am I, do you feel like we're buying at the highest point on the Steelers? Or do you think that this is just an appropriate buying point because it's a team that gets TJ Watt a little bit healthier, has a rookie quarterback. So it's likely going to look better as the weeks progress because he's a rookie quarterback getting more experience. Well, I think the simplest thing that I could tell you about this, Matt, is that we're at the point where we can now look at another segment of the season, right? We can look at the basically third quarter of the season and say, what have we seen in terms of performance? And if you filter out garbage time, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 12th over the last few weeks in EPA on offense, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's a team that obviously we thought was not going to be able to move the ball at all. And of course, the return of Watt changes just about everything. Now, of course, he's questionable this week, but is expected to play. Uh, 
I don't think you need to say much about the Falcons, right? It's the sort of smarmy thing to say, oh, Kyle Pitts is out for the year. They weren't using him anyway. Well, defenses still had to account for Kyle Pitts, even if Arthur Smith wasn't going to use him the way that most people thought that they should. So, yes, I was a buyer on the Falcons. I was wrong. And I think you're on the correct side of this. Yeah, Stephen. I mean, I look if we're if we're we're talking about the Falcons just in general and kind of their arc of the season, they're doing the wrong one, right? They started way up here, and then this their arc seems to be going on the other way. And like where the Steelers started way down low, and their arc seems to be heading in the right direction as we progress throughout the course of the season. We see this with teams every single year, right? I mean, some teams start way better and finish way worse, and vice versa. And some teams just kind of coast along in the middle. I actually do think we're on teams with with different arcs right here i think we are seeing this falcons team kind of come back down to earth where they were super efficient offensively at the beginning of the year which was kind of mind-boggling because they weren't throwing it all over the place they weren't doing any they were just running really really efficiently um that's kind of gone away and then we see the steelers team that was absolutely one of the very bottom units in just about every single offensive statistic category that you can get they make the quarterback switch you need the rookie to get a little bit of experience. And now I actually do think that they're kind of on the upswing here. So I, I, I'm, you know, if there's plus money out there and even if, even if your book only has minus one, whatever, I, I still think the Steelers are the side. For sure. The redeeming quality of the Falcons offense, like you said, was a very efficient running game. But since the Steelers have come out of their bye week the past three weeks, Pittsburgh is second in rush EPA, fifth in rush success rate. So the Falcons don't even have the best running game in this in this matchup so what's left to like about the falcons against the steelers in this one and the answer is not much if you look at that sample since kind of reconfiguring this team in the offense and getting tj watt back across the board on offense and defense the steelers have been better than the atlanta falcons so the fact that as we record this on friday morning there is still one book out there that has the Steelers at plus one instead of the minus ones we see everywhere else. I took that as a six and a half point teaser more than the, the normal six and minus 130 price on a six and a half point teaser and got the Steelers up to plus seven and a half here because with the what the Falcons are trotting out there with a very below average offense and a defense that hasn't been able to really stop anybody all year. This is not a team that's going to win a game by double digits, let alone against a team that on paper is better than them in every facet of the ball game, including with their rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who since coming out of the bye week has a positive completion percentage over expected, which has been a little better than Marcus Mariota on the other side. So if if you guys still see that rogue one and want to tease it up six and a half to get plus seven and a half, that's great. If you just want to bet on the Steelers at the best price of possible, possible straight up i think that's a great play too so guys this is the other angle here in this and again i i sometimes we have to do a little bit of speculating in sports betting as well and i the one of the reasons why i think the falcons are just kind of a fade for me maybe moving forward in general is i think we're real we're one bad half away from getting desmond ritter at all times right and like i don't want to be backing a team that's going to be throwing some rookie quarterback out there for the first actual real game experience in his career. But I think we're always one bad half away from getting Desmond Ritter because this is, look, you spent a, a decent draft pick on him. You know, the future is not Mariota for this team. And so at some point they will make that decision. I, I again, we can't, we don't know when that will be. We don't know if they're going to announce it beforehand and let us know, or if it's just going to be one of those weird halftime switches or whatever, you know, we, we see these teams do, but we are, 
we're getting there, right? We're rapidly getting there with this Falcons team. And so that's another reason why it's very hard for me to kind of back them moving forward. And Matt, if that happens, we are still talking about a team that's a half game out of first place in the NFC yeah. South. So, I mean, maybe just roll the dice on Ritter actually being decent and a dual threat guy if we're getting a good price here because – I, I, the market seems to have the Bucks as runaway favorites in this division, despite what the standings are at this point, which is wild to me. Yeah, I do think that that's a live, just not necessarily this week because I don't know for sure. Because I'm just guessing. Right, not this as week. you as you watch the Falcons moving forward, if they do make that switch, that's going to be a live betting opportunity on the other side of the game. So just uh, just keep that in mind as we as we move on. Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, as we sit right now, three, three and a half in favor of the Packers, 44 and a half is your total guys. This is looking like the Bears are going to commit organizational malpractice and run Justin Fields out there, even though the season is over and he has a shoulder injury. And the reason that this team got much better is because he was running the ball, using his legs. And when you run the ball, you get tackled and you land on your daggum shoulders and stuff. So anyhow, I am, uh, that's neither here nor there. Aaron Rodgers says he's going to play as well, Steven. So now we see this number sitting, you know, this was sitting four and a half in favor of the Packers now down to, like I said, there's a three an expensive three out there. There's a juicy three and there's a bunch of three and a halves. Yeah. So I'm, I'm operating under the, the notion that Justin Fields is healthy enough to run the offense we've seen from the Chicago bears. He was a full participant in practice. And that to me gives Chicago the best chance to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers than we've seen in a long time. The only stats I care about with the Chicago offense are the week seven to week 11 window where they changed the offense, went more with a, a single wing old school running style offense where the quarterback is taking direct snaps and running with the ball and don't care about anything before then don't care about the Trevor Simeon week. You have to look at that window to what this bears offense is at this point. And when they're utilizing fields as a rusher, they have been very strong and we're looking at a Packers defense that has failed miserably to stop the run. They're bottom of the barrel in that regard. And that's when they're facing running offenses where the quarterback is just handing the ball off and they have numbers. You know, it's 11 on 10 at that point because the quarterback's not in on the play. Now you have a big, strong quarterback running and it's even numbers and you're getting better numbers in the, in the, in the, in the blocking game for this offense. So if the Packers gave up more than eight yards per carry to the Eagles last week, I think Fields can do damage as a rusher here with this new style offense that they've been putting out. So with that being said, the Chicago defense is still brutal. They are terrible. Worse than the league. Worse than than the Texans. At this point, worse than the Texans. Yeah, so even though the Packers offense has struggled a bit, this is not the matchup that can take advantage of that. So the thing I'm most confident in here with Fields back – in play is the Chicago Bears team total in this game. And there's some wacky numbers out there. It's almost like these aren't adjusting with the line movement overall that comes with it. So I've seen Chicago team total over 20 and a half at plus money, which I think is good. And I've seen a book still keep 17 and a half out there, but with a lot of juice at minus 160. That one's at BetMGM. So shop around a little bit, but I think anything under 21 here at minus 110, if that's the number, is fine with me. And if you want to take a little lower number that's that's with more juice, that's fine too. But uh, 21 would be the stopping point for me. But I, I like the Bears to go over this total. Adam, uh, you, you do some traditional sports talk radio. And so uh, 
uh, uh, uh, indulge me 15 seconds here. Both of these teams are doing organizational malpractice by starting these quarterbacks. Like Justin Fields is the future of your organization and running him out there in a season that's dead when all he can do is basically injure himself further is organizational malpractice. And then Aaron Rodgers with multiple injuries should not be starting either in a dead season for multiple things as well. It behooves them to lose games moving forward Two, If you decide you want Aaron Rodgers back as your quarterback next year, you might as well try and keep him as healthy as possible and not run him out there and have him get, get more injured. Or if you're going to move away from Aaron Rodgers in the off season, then you need to get just Jordan love some, some reps. It's just, it's crazy. Both of these teams are committing organizational malpractice and all of this, but neither here nor there, I guess if we're going to get Rodgers and we're going to get fields, is 44 and a half too low because we know that this Bears Bears defense is ridiculously terrible and the Packers defense has not been anything close to what we thought it was going to be. No, th- this game puts all of the variance into play and it's a pass for me b- because of that. Is Rodgers going to play the whole game? Is Fields going to play the whole game? What can they do if they can play? There's way, way too much for me to try to figure out to get involved in this, but I'll say this much about the Green Bay Packers in particular. For any way in which we've clowned Jordan Love over the last few years, if you watch the couple of drives that Jordan Love had and just the balls that he was putting out there to his receivers, Jordan Love might have something figured out. Uh, it's at least enough that the Green Bay Packers should want to see more and have the perfect opportunity to see more, at least for one week to say to Aaron Rodgers, hey, you know what? Just give it one more week to get healthy again. But Look, it was clear in the contract situation last year, and it's clear now that Aaron Rodgers is running the Green Bay Packers Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of whether or not he goes out there. They're not telling him whether or not he plays. Aaron Rodgers is telling them whether he plays. So I won't add more. I don't need to. uh, For me, I'm passing. Yeah. If they're if a flat 44 showed back up, which I don't think it will at this point, I'd probably come in on the over 44 being a pretty key number when it comes to totals. Really, I'm only I only pay attention to 44 and 51, uh, 47 to a lesser extent. So uh, 44 and a half is pretty big for me when I'm if I want to play an over. So I don't think that I'm going to be looking at it there. If a 44 flat 44 did show back up, I think I would be looking at that. I mean, if both guys are going to get out there, there's going to be points scored in this game. So uh, that's kind of the look for me in this one. Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions. This is sitting one point in favor of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a total of 51. There is a rogue book out there kind of seeing this a couple of different times this week where these one point lines where we do have the Lions as a one point favorite. Adam, when we take a look here, we did see a big time comeback win from the Jags last week. I don't know if that influenced this line incredibly much because we've seen a Detroit Lions team as well that has been kind of moving up and marching up and down the field. And I think this is one of those feel good teams. People want to bet people like to get behind people. And and let's be for real offenses look much more like it did in weeks, kind of one through three of late than, than it did more in the middle of the season. So that's why we're looking at a 51 total as well. It was one of the first games I scratched off for me this week. I look, if someone wanted to make the compelling case to me that they want to play the over, even at a 51, I'd listen to you. I do think that both offenses can score on these defenses. I do think that the quarterback play is at least sufficient enough to get some points on the board. I just, again, just at the 51, I'm not willing to pull the trigger here. So this was a, this was a scratch off for me. I think the play is lions in this spot. I don't have it in quite yet, but 
it's not hard to figure out when the Lions were bad. It's when they were hurt mm-hmm. on offense, right? When they've been healthy on offense, they've been good. That doesn't mean the defense is good, but it at least means that on that side of the ball, the last four weeks, they're sixth in offensive EPA per play. Uh, it, this, this team has been fairly explosive. Uh, and we're talking about a defense that in that same period over the last four weeks has gone from abysmal to meh. They're mm-hmm. 15th in, in EPA allowed per play. So uh, we... If you buy the Jacksonville Jaguars off last week, you're buying one of two things. You're buying the name brand of the Baltimore Ravens or you're a Trevor Lawrence believer who has been waiting for that game. And to me, I'm not giving them that kind of credit off one game. I'm looking at a Detroit team that has actually played fairly well with a defense that has improved some. And I can't see a reason where I would get to Jacksonville on the road when I know that the Detroit Lions are playing better. Steven, there is props to be given to the Jags who rallied to score 18 points in the fourth quarter and beat the Ravens 28 to 27 last week. But there's also a thing where we have to say, well, you were down double digits in the first place. So that's not great. Right. I mean, like, so there's, it's kind of a double edged thing. You're like, yes, that was a, a good comeback. You also allowed yourself to get into a two score deficit as well in, in the course of the game. I mean, look, look I, do I think that the lions can score on this Jags team? I absolutely. Right. I mean, the Ravens offense, I think at this point, I think we would all admit the a healthy lions offense is probably better than a, than a Ravens offense, you know, at, at this point. And so I, I think it's a step up in competition against the Jags. I think the Lions do put some points on the board. I do think though, that there is a lot of variance in this game, right? I mean, the, there's always going to be the Trevor Lawrence bonehead interception factor. There's always going to be the same thing on the other side with Jared Goff, all of that. So uh, for me, that's why I didn't play it. What were you looking at here? So I teased this up when the Jags were one point dogs, again, a six and a half point teaser paid the minus one thirty and if you are paying more than minus 130 on a six and a half point teaser, then your book's ripping you off and you should go shop somewhere else. Just and PSA there for everybody. Uh, admittedly, I did not feel good about the Jags covering last week in a game where they won outright. So I agree with you guys about that. I thought that they did not play well for three quarters and but credit where it's due in the fourth quarter. They were outgained 6.1 to 5.4 yards per play. Uh, and 5.4 is below league average if you look at the season. So great quarter, not a great game for the Jaguars. With that being said, in this game, I do think it's pretty unlikely that the Jags lose this game by double digits or by more than one possession. So that's why I teased it up. I do agree with you guys that I think it's closer to a coin flip in terms of who's actually just going to win the game outright. I think it's going to be a pl- pretty close game. I do believe in Trevor Lawrence, and it's not just because of the fourth quarter against the Ravens. I think that we are seeing the light come on here. I think we are seeing growth under Doug Peterson since the let me get my numbers right here over the last few weeks here. I think it's over the past four weeks. Trevor Lawrence is number one in the league in completion percentage over expected. And that was after we've seen stretches this season where he was bottom five in the league in that category. In the last four weeks, he is sixth in success rate. And if you look at what our concern was earlier this year, if you guys were listening early on, we were talking about the fact that Trevor Lawrence was doing very well 
against zone defense, but very poorly against man defense. Well, that's now leveled out a little bit. He was 31st in completion percentage against man defense through week seven. That's now up to 14th. He was 16th versus zone. That's now up to 12th in terms of passer rating through week seven. He was 27th against man defense. That's now up to 18th and he's gone from 10th to 7th against zone defense and passer rating. So I think it's more than just the Ravens game. I think Trevor Lawrence is making a leap here and doing a good job. And I think that this is a situation where I want to continue to back the Jaguars to at least just be competitive in this game. And Mm -hmm. I think that's fair to say against the Lions team. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't expect either one of these teams really to 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 blow the other one out unless we get one of these bad quarterback performances that we've gotten from, you know, both of these guys throughout the course of the season. So it'll be interesting. Look, it's a fun game. I, I mean, I, who'd have thought I'd be excited about a Jags lions game right in week 13, but I am, that one's going to make one of the TVs. Can't wait to, uh, to get that one up. New York jets and the Minnesota Vikings. As we sit right now, Vikings are three point home favorites over the New York football jets, a total of 44 and a half. The Mike White show went out, did what the Mike White show was supposed to do against what we have already said is the absolute worst defense in all the NFL. In the middle of that game, they lost two of the only guys that had a pulse on that defensive squad. And so Mike White comes out looking like a savior in which he just did what he was supposed to do against the worst team at worst defense in the entire NFL. Vikings get it done on Thanksgiving, find themselves where they can clinch the North this week. So we in week 13, Vikings can clinch the uh, the division and not have to worry about whether they're going to the playoffs or not uh, here pretty soon. I'll start with you, Stephen. You are backing the New York Jets in this one. Yeah, I I'm good with any way to back the Jets in this game. To be honest with you, our senior writer Mo Nawara bet them to cover three. He also sprinkled some money line. I'm being a little more conservative. I tease this up. I think we're going to hit two and a half in this game. I got it early, so this is kind of my anchor teaser leg of the week here. I've taken the Jets a little unconventional. It's not your straight Wong teaser, but up to nine uh, in all my teasers this week on a six point teaser here. So. Matt, you and I are just going to continue to disagree on the Minnesota Vikings here. I think they are far outperforming what their record is. If you look at their statistical profile, you and I last season and in the preseason railed against the Las Vegas Raiders as the luckiest team in the NFL last year. And the Vikings are arguably even luckier than the Raiders were a year ago. The Raiders were five and one in games decided by a field goal or less. The Vikings are three and zero in that category. The Raiders went seven and two overall in one score games last year. The Vikings are already eight and zero in that stat. They ranked seventh in fumble luck. The Vikings are fourth this year. The Raiders won eight games in which they trailed at some point last year. The Vikings have already trailed in seven games this year. And Todd Furman also had a great stat this week: the plus five point differential overall for the Vikings this year is the worst in the NFL to this point in the season by a team with nine wins in history. So this is, a, I think, a team that is far outperforming what their overall record is. And I think their defense is horrible. I think they're number one in 30 in. I think they're number 31 in yards per play allowed. They're 26th in success rate allowed, 24th in pressure rate. No, the Bears were not a good defense for Mike White to face last week, but he's not getting tested this week either against the Vikings defense. And I think the Jets defense is phenomenal. And I think that they're going to be able to pressure without blitzing Minnesota this week. So, yeah, I'm I'm 
I'm just going to continue to fade Minnesota and maybe they continue to get lucky and the coin flip comes up their way in these fourth quarters. But, you know, you and I have talked a lot about other teams like this, and I'm I'm still a little surprised that you like Minnesota as much as you do. Well, I mean, there's there's. there's a lot of differences as well in the teams that you're talking about. I mean, the, the, you, you talk about the Raiders last year, the Raiders didn't have, don't have the last year's version of the Raiders don't have a, a speck of the talent that is on the Minnesota Viking side of things. So, I mean, like there, the coaching staff is in Minnesota comparatively to the coaching staff in Las Vegas, completely different as well. It's not apples to apples year over year. It's not, or it's, it's literally apples to oranges when you're talking about these two different teams. And if you want to say that the Minnesota defense is not great, perfectly fine. Now, if you want to, if you want to look at some of these statistical categories that are out there that you'd like to rattle off the ones that back your 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 argument and not the ones that don't you can sit there and say that oh there are actually pretty good elements to this defense as well to even put them in the same sentence is what the bears are rolling out is a disservice to our listeners and our viewers because they are not even anywhere on the same level the bears are so far worse on a defensive front than every other team in the nfl and like i said including the texans at this point they are completely talentless on on top of that you are rolling out a secondary that is literally out there on their third and fourth strings at this point i mean it's not even an actual true comparison they're still a and, bottom five defense they're bottom and, five defense in a lot of ways at generously a bottom 10 that just gave up more than seven yards per play to an offense that you hate in the patriots the 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 other side of this is you still have to score points in the NFL to win games. And we're going to sit here and look at the Jets offense that there is no making no bones about this is absolute garbage has been one of the most garbage units in all the NFL over the course of the entire NFL season. And yet we're going to have a guy who came in and had one game against a against the worst defense in the NFL and crown him that he's just going to go out and do this against other teams that actually have some sort of pulse. That is so incredibly, that is so incredibly results oriented and so incredibly uh, being a prisoner of the moment from what we saw with Mike White last week. There's a reason he was third string whenever the season started. There's a reason the guy is. Yeah, because they spent a high draft pick on on Zach Wilson and felt obligated to play him who has been trashed. The entire Jets offense this year has been about Zach Wilson being terrible. And they went to Flacco instead of Mike White because why? Because because they were so tied up in him, they had so much investment in Flacco. No, that wasn't the case either. He was third string for a reason, and he's a third string quarterback for a reason. The Vikings are going to win this game. Not only are they going to win this game, they're going to win this game by double digits. And you can. Oh and, wow! And, and, if if and, they do, it's a, it's and, my worst week of the year. If that happens, it's my worst week of the year. Well, that's un, that's unfortunate that you have all of that <laughs> in, in there. Then, Adam, what do you look at in this one? When mom and dad fight. I just sit here quietly and wait for the storm. To Listen, end. here's the thing about and, and this. We at this, we at this specifically at our site as well are the, one of the most egregious offenders of all this. Everybody's fraudulent. Everybody, all they do, uh, listen, I, I get after everybody at our, I get after everybody that does content for us because all everybody wants to do is come on camera or get in an article and talk about how fraudulent everybody is in the NFL. No one's good. If you read it, if you listen or read or whatever, the only good team's the Chiefs, kind of the Bills and everybody else is fraudulent. And that's like, you, you, get, you have to get to a point where we're 13 weeks into the NFL season and you have to throw away priors because we've gotten to that point as well. 
and you have to deal with what you see on the field and what what is going on with your own eyeballs. And so it's like it's just it's insanity to me that everyone wants to get in this group think that everybody's fraudulent. This is fraudulent. This wins fraudulent. This team's fraudulent. This is fraudulent. That's exactly it's like it's the worst. It's the worst low hanging fruit handicapping that you can possibly do. We've switched from mom and dad arguing to middle-aged man yells a cloud, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I understand exactly where Matt is coming from. I understand his frustration. Uh, I have, for a couple of weeks, have been saying that we need to evaluate against like teams this year, right? I've been talking about it with Philadelphia, where I've said that the Philadelphia Eagles in another year are not a 9-1 team. But you know what? They are this year, and they're not going to play anybody the rest of the year. And so they're probably going to finish with the best record in the NFL if they continue to play the game that they've played. For this week, I'm going to give you guys a process idea when it comes to evaluating the Minnesota Vikings. Last year, the Minnesota Vikings lost eight one-score games. They won six one-score games. They were a team that essentially showed you we're close, right? We're, we're pretty close to being able to do something. And if that one little thing that they're close to being able to do is we needed better coaching. We needed better ability to finish games well, to make smarter decisions in tight situations, then the Minnesota Vikings aren't all that different than they were last year. And if you're going to try to figure out a team that has been outperforming the numbers, then what you're trying to do from a betting perspective is you're trying to, to thread the needle to say, this is the week where it all comes out, right? Because for the Minnesota Vikings, and I'll give you the New York Giants as an example as well. For the Giants, you could have made a lot of money on the Giants up until the bottom dropped out against Detroit. Well, that's fine if the bottom ultimately dropped out against Detroit. You lost that week, but you probably won quite a bit on the Giants up until that point. And I think the argument can be the same with the Minnesota Vikings, that maybe there comes a time where the bottom drops out on the Minnesota Vikings. But up until that point, you'll have done pretty well playing the Vikings. And so this week in particular, I'm passing because of the Mike White situation in because, as Matt said, it's one week, right? And if you don't buy the Vikings as a team that's outperforming the metrics, then you probably don't buy Mike White as a quarterback who's outperforming the priors and the metrics on him. So I'll pass, but I will just have the popcorn out and a cold beverage in hand watching the two of you play this whole thing out on the Minnesota Vikings this week. It's just it it is it is it is beyond insanity to me that everybody walks watches a third string quarterback go out and carve up the worst defense in the NFL and all of a sudden this defense that has been complete and utter garbage gutter trash all year long is going to magically become is is going to magically become something that that it, that resembles an actual true NFL offense so it's just it's it's wild to me trot it's, out it's- Trot out Listen, Zonovan, Zonovan no, Jackson or whatever game. his name is. <laughs> no, no, whatever mom his, and dad. Whatever next his name game. Is. Yeah. Trot, trot Zonovan Jackson or whatever in the hell his name is. Out next there and, game. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, son. Just, just crazy. <laughs> 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Uh, Washington Commanders and the New York Football Giants. The Commanders are two and a half. There are some twos as well. Uh, Point road favorites here over the Giants. A total of 40 to 40 and a half. So, Adam, this is one of those deals where I basically you have to start your handicap with basically just saying, are the Washington Commanders two and a half points better than anybody? Are they better? Are they two and a half points better than? Okay. Yeah. We'll say the Texans for sure. We'd say the bears, maybe whatever, but like now are they two and a half points better than anybody on the road? And are they two and a half points better of a team that at least has a pulse? I understand the giants are dealing with an incredible amount of injuries and that has really ticked them down as far as the power ratings go, right? A team that was teetering on the top 10, certainly now more in the mid teens, if not lower teens, because look, if you have no wide receivers and you're, and you lost, Four starters on the on the defensive side. It's it's really tough to compete at a high level. Um, I know there are people who are playing the Giants and teasers this week. I might ultimately end up doing something there. It is a game with a forty total in, in which I could take a team up to eight and a half, and that is always appealing and has been profitable. Uh, I haven't gotten there quite yet. What do you see here from a commander's side that, again, are we, is this the like highest point you could ever buy the commanders? Or is this just a, a product of what we're seeing that the Giants are going to likely have to roll out with all this injury stuff? I think the injury part is is massive for the New York Giants. But I think what you're looking at right now is that the Washington commanders are the early season Giants. Uh, In a lot of ways, this is a team that has middling quarterback play, and we know how bad Taylor Heineke has been. But if you're going to try to peg when Taylor Heineke comes back to earth, then you're doing the same thing that you've been doing with the Minnesota Vikings, right? The run game in the last five weeks is top five in EPA per play. The defense overall in the last four weeks for Washington is top four in EPA allowed per play. Um, Look, Maybe as a Giants fan, I'm biased, right? Maybe I'm the one who's like, yep, this is what I was waiting for, right? Like, you knew they were going to come back to Earth at some point. Okay, but legitimately, this team's coming back to Earth because they don't have anybody left because everyone is hurt. And in particular, Leonard Williams is questionable this week, and he makes a massive, massive difference to their run defense. So I see a game that's probably something along the order of Washington 20, Giants 10. That keeps me off the potential teaser with the Giants. I know it's a system play, right? To get a a home dog plus eight and a half, 40 points. If you want to play it, I can't begrudge you that. I think Mm -hmm. that that, that's a smart play based on the system. But as someone who watches the Giants every week, 
the injuries and the lack of talent appear to have caught up to the Giants yeah. in a noticeable way now. Yeah, that's the problem for me, Stephen, the reason like this is the only one that like really fits the mold that didn't make my kind of teaser round this week. And like I said, maybe maybe they will before it's all said and done, but, but probably not. And it mainly comes down to the fact that there's really like no backdoor thing here with the Giants either. Right. I mean, like with with all these guys hurt, all the receivers hurt, all the everything. It's like. I don't if I'm if I'm sitting down 10 or I'm sitting down 13 and I need that backdoor cover. I just don't know if I have that, you know, and that's why that's why I teaser leg with the Lions, I guess, is always at least heartwarming that, you know, there's like there's always the possibility <laughs> for them to like come back they in the back fight. door. Yeah, like or whatever, you know, you've got them on right where you've got all these and there, there just isn't that on the giant side of things. And so for me, it's just it's tough whenever I look at it and say if they don't front run or at least basically like keep this thing just, you know, within a field goal the entire time, I'm probably going to end up losing this bet. And so that, that for me is what kind of kept me off of it. This is going to stun you, Matt, but a, a bet that you and Adam are hesitant to make, I fired. <laughs> I bet the board again this week. <laughs> so, I mean, let, let's start from, from the beginning here at the look ahead line. This line has moved a point and a half from the look ahead after the Giants didn't have any players left against one of the most explosive ferocious defenses in the league what did people think was going to happen against the cowboys on thanksgiving exactly what we all thought was going to happen and that was worth moving a point and a half for this game against washington i didn't think that made any sense especially now that we're starting to see a little bit more optimism on the injury report i think that's why we're starting to see these two and a half disappear i think maybe early in the week the sharps were just hoping and praying a three would pop for the giants it never came and now they're like, okay, well, let's just get in on the Giants anyway. So it's it's two and a half still at a couple spots, but we're seeing twos, seeing a one and a half again. So there is interest in the Giants here. I think it is because they're getting healthier. Evan Neal returned to full participant, the right tackle. The center is back to limited for that offensive line, which is big against the Washington front four, who's generating a top five pressure rate despite being below average blitz rate. So it's a difficult matchup on defense, but I think there is optimism. I think there were a ton of guys returned to practice on Thursday. I'm hoping that continues in a positive direction on Friday. So we'll see how that goes. But very happy to bet against Taylor Heineke winning by two scores in a teaser leg here. After for weeks, we talked about how he's just been an inconsistent quarterback and really should have more turnovers than than what he has at this point. So. Yeah, I'm in, man. Giants plus eight and a half is good with me. Well, like I said, look, taking eight and a half in a game with 40, uh, especially with a home dog like this, is in in years past, that is an autoplay. You don't even handicap it. You're not worried about anything like that. I mean, I and like I said, I might end up with some sort of something on the Giants. It just, I don't think it'll make the full round robin kind of like, you know, play that I've got going on right now this week, but yeah, certainly uh, not an anchor teaser. Leg, yeah. Like you like to say, right. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. This is one it, teaser. Yeah. This one I might pair with the, with one that I really, really, really like, and just kind of, you know, try to get some extra exposure to that one. It's, I'm just not buying in on the commanders is as a road favorite. I guess I just I'm just not doing it against anybody. I understand that there's a pretty bad situation out there for the Giants from an injury standpoint. Tennessee Titans and the Philadelphia Eagles. Boys, this one is sitting four and a half. It has come down um, a whole point. And uh, some books even have opened this at six. And so it's come down a point and a half, four and a half in favor of the Eagles. Forty four, forty four and a half is your total. 
Steven, I get it because here's, you know, here's the logic behind anybody coming in to back the Titans. It is, if there is a weakness to this Eagles team, it is and continues to be the run defense. Now it's gotten a little bit better since they acquired Adamican Sue and Linval Joseph. The problem is, is those guys are old and can't play a full complement of snaps. And when they're actually on the field, the Eagles run defense has looked a little bit better, but they just can't play a full complement of snaps. And so we still have all that that's, that's, that's factored in this handicap. The one thing the Titans do well is run the ball. So, okay, Titan strength, Eagles weakness, six is too many. I can actually get there. I can actually buy that. Now that we're heading down towards four, I don't know if we'll get to flat four or something like that, but now that we're heading down towards four, I do start to wonder kind of like we saw on a, on Thursday night with the Patriots and the bills, like, okay, if you want to sell me on six being too much, I can get there with you. Now we're getting down, you know, into an area where I start to wonder if we've made too big of an adjustment. I can certainly see where you're coming from there, uh, but I'm still tired of losing money to the Tennessee Titans, so I'm still not getting off of that, at least for one more week. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but until Jordan Davis comes back for the Eagles on this on this defensive line, this is one of the worst rush defenses in the league, right? Like you can plug these guys in that they got off the street, but it's still a problem. They still gave up a lot of yards per play to the Packers, even though they scored you know, a 40 burger on him. It didn't matter, but you know, Mike Vrabel is smart, man. Like I could see them running Derrick Henry 40 times in this game if they have to and shortening the game. And, and the other flip side of this that we haven't touched on yet, Matt, is the fact that the Titans have maybe the best defense against stopping the run in the NFL, which is what the Eagles like to do best. So this to me is kind of a wait and watch and a fun observation game and maybe there is a live betting opportunity here if the titans are stopping the eagles run and jalen hurts is struggling in the pass game then that kind of opens up the door for the titans to win this game outright in my mind because i do think they're going to have success running the ball with derrick henry but what i did with these two teams this week is bet the look ahead i bet eagles minus five and a half at the giants next week and i also bet against the titans this will shock you when they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, I took Jaguars plus four in the look ahead. So two bets for this game, but not with this game in particular. <laughs> Adam, we look at this rush defense over the last three weeks. And if you're saying, dude, too small of a sample size. The reason I did that was because that's whenever they picked up in Dominican Sue and Laval Joseph. They've gone from being like one of the three worst to kind of like in that 19th, 20th range. And, and listen, you're going to say, like, dude, that's still like bottom half. It is. But when you're basically one of the very, very worst and you do increase to being just one of the bottom third, that is at least a step in the right direction. So we do have an Eagles squad that even those dudes are old and, and aren't anything what they used to be are still good for for bursts. Right. They're still good enough to, to kind of shore up some of these holes in short doses. So I think we can look at that and still say that it's a, a weakness for this team. I think we can't look at it and basically at this point say they are one of the absolute bottom two team, bottom two or three teams in the NFL when it comes to run defense now. Well, I mean, it's a fair assessment. Yeah. Uh, I have been on the other side of the Titans for a lot of the year. And again, remember at the beginning of the year, and even up until this week, I'm lower on the Tennessee Titans in my power ratings than most other places mm. that other places that I look. And yet I still have been on the Texans numerous times and done well on the Texans, mm. uh, the Titans, I should say, uh, numerous times. This isn't the week for that. Uh, it, it's a pass for, for mm. me because 
Uh, first of all, they've got to be able to throw the ball at least a little bit. And Traylon Burks, we don't know if he's going to be able to go. And there are not a lot of receiving options in Tennessee. And as much as I was down on Traylon Burks coming into the year, he's been pretty good uh, mm -hmm. for Tennessee. Uh you mentioned Stephen did that the run defense for Tennessee has been stout. Uh, I think that that is notable because we haven't seen a lot of games that we've had to put the ball into Jalen Hurts hands and say, mm -hmm. you go throw it and beat us. Uh, but that being said, I think you got a really nice coaching matchup here. Uh, I, I think both teams will do a pretty good job of exploiting the other team's weaknesses. I don't want to get in on a side here because, like I said, as much as Tennessee has been printing money for a lot of the year, I don't think this is the team to try to push that edge against. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's a very tough handicap, which is why I'm not I'm not on the game either. Because look, you've got. You got Bradbury and Slay, who are awesome corners for sure, but then you have these other injuries of Auntie Maddox, and you've got the the Chauncey Gardner Johnson ish injury there for the for the Eagles as well with the whole lacerated kidney thing and all that. So I I, I start to look and I go, well, they're kind of vulnerable, certainly over the middle of the field and out of the slot. But I'm like, well, are the Titans really the team that's going to take advantage? Of that? There's just a lot for me to try to get to in this thing, which is why I ended up. Uh, on a pass as well. It's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty interesting game. And one where I think that the Eagles can cement maybe, because I still think there are some true doubters out there for the Eagles. I think that's one of those games where the Eagles can maybe cement that, Hey, look, no, they are absolutely unequivocally one of the top three teams in the NFL. And then, you know, we kind of move on from there, but that it'll be a, it'll be one I'll be paying close attention to, but not one in my if account. The, if the Eagles can run on this defense, look out the yeah. rest of season, look out. Denver Broncos and the Baltimore Ravens. This is one that is in my account and in my account multiple times. Uh, Ravens are eight and a half point home favorites over the Denver Broncos. Thirty nine and a half is your total. I was a little worried because we did have a DNP earlier in the week for Lamar Jackson, only for him to come back the next day and participate fully. So not worried in that. You can take the Ravens down from an eight and a half point home favorite to a two and a half point home favorite against the lowest scoring team in the NFL against a defense. Adam, this is one that we were talking about how just absolutely locked down it was. And here over the last month, there's been some there's been some cracks. It's not like it's bad. It's still a good defense, but it's not like this. Hey, you cannot move the ball at all. Completely uh, shut down defense and whether that's just motivation we know the locker room hates russell wilson we know you've gotten shouting matches in there and all the different things stuff like that uh taking the ravens down to two and a half to me was the very first leg that i put in the account it's in the round robin with a couple of other teams i have it in just about every single uh fashion that i can get at here because look the broncos just can't score points and the ravens defense getting a little bit healthier playing a little bit better here over the last month of the season as well uh, you tell me to win by you tell me they just got to win by a field goal. I, I think they win by a field goal. I think under is probably my approach yeah. for this game. Um, I don't trust the Baltimore Ravens nearly as much as I trusted the Baltimore Ravens earlier in the year. Something's wrong. I don't know exactly what it is, if it's just health. Uh, but, you know, uh, overall on the offensive side of the ball, the Ravens have not been the team that I expected them to be. Now, we saw a video of a Denver Broncos defensive lineman going up to one of the highest paid starting quarterbacks in the NFL, screaming in his face yeah. <laughs> and that quarterback responding 
by bopping his head like he had Sade in his ears. And <laughs> that was one of the most disturbing scenes I've seen on NFL sideline. They can try to pass it off and say, oh, well, we're just frustrated. Well, we know why you're frustrated and we know who you're frustrated at. And the fact that that player basically responded by, yeah, bro, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Let's ride uh, is disturbing so yeah you want to play the Ravens teaser like down play the Ravens teaser like down any way you want to fade the Denver Broncos fade the Denver Broncos I'm fine with it I'll choose mine as going under. Yeah. it's it's insane that this has become a team that I'm like I, I'm looking to absolutely fade with a defense like that but again over the last month so guys since week nine like I said not not bad but not good if we're talking like EPA per play on the defensive side of the ball since week nine they're 18th in the NFL, this defense. So it's like they were super, super, super elite for the first two months. And they're slow. And now they've had some injuries as well on the defensive side of the ball. And that's certainly something to, to keep in mind, right? But they're slowly kind of ticking down the deal here. And I don't know if that was just a, a small sample size aberration or if this is more of something we're going to see continue over the course of the rest of the season. But there, it, it is a team that is not quite as stout as we had originally thought in my opinion steven what are you looking at here you guys remember the movie draft day the browns nfl draft movie with kevin costner and he's getting on the phone and he's asking people why didn't anybody go to his birthday party why didn't anybody go to the quarterback's birthday party and we had a real life version of that this week with reports of half the team not going to russell wilson's birthday party it was you know we talked about headline of the week the past few weeks that was the headline of the week that was awesome it's gotten so bad in denver that we're having birthday party reports <laughs> about the chemistry of this locker room so yes i am 100 percent interested in a Baltimore teaser leg here down to minus two. You could still get it at minus two and a half to your point about the defense with Denver um, 17th overall on the season. So you're talking about lately. I'll talk about on the season, stopping the run 17th in rush DEPA outside the top 10 in success rate against the run against one of the two best rush offenses in the NFL. So we could talk about the Ravens offensive issues against better teams I think it might just be as simple as they don't have any good wide receivers. They only have Mark Andrews, their tight end to throw to. I think that's probably the the simplest answer to it. But this week, they should win this game by a field goal. Since week nine, and DVOA, we know, is not the end-all be-all. But since week nine, the Denver defense is 27th in DVOA. I think they're just on and, the field too long, Matt. They're just yeah. playing way more plays than most every other defense because the offense can't move the ball. Yeah, I, I love this teaser. Like, like I said, I have it in multiple different directions. Uh, eight and a half down to two and a half for Lou. Like that one a ton. Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Seven point road favorites are the Cleveland Browns. The uh, total sitting here about 47, 47 and a half. This is Deshaun Watson returning at quarterback ironically or not so ironically against his old team here on the road. Steven, this is the, another one of the teaser legs in my round Robin this week, the Browns down to one. I am not so much worried about if I only need the Browns to win the game. I'm not so much worried about Deshaun Watson and rust, which is the thing that we're going to hear all week long, not playing a meaningful game in about two years. That being said, 
has been able to practice the last couple of weeks, did play in the preseason. I just do want to, I do want to throw that out there. Hadn't played in a real game in a couple of years, but you know, what has been at practice and what did play in the preseason. Um, we know this Houston Texans team is just, it, they're, they're absolutely dead. Nobody even wants to be out there anymore. You can actually watch the team on the sidelines, like while they're playing, they, nobody wants to be playing for, for this team anymore. And then further, they have made the decision I think to go ahead and just punt on the rest of the season as they move away from Davis Mills and go to Kyle Allen. So I think they're kind of showing us the writing is on the wall as well when it comes to, to all this, even if Deshaun Watson looks terrible, they can turn around and hand the ball to Chubb and hunt 40 times in this game and still win this game. And, and is Stefanski sharp enough to do that. I would like to think so. Um, Give me Cleveland just to win the game here. I don't want to lay the seven. Although if we knew we had a, if we knew we had a healthy slash sharp slash not rusty Deshaun Watson, this number would be 10. So, I mean, you can, you can kind of take that into account as well. Uh, just give me Cleveland to win the game in a teaser leg. Yeah, you read my mind. And if everybody watching is sensing a theme, you're right. It's, it's a great week for teasers. Oh, it's teams. a fantastic so week. Yeah. Hope, hopefully this goes better than it did the first month of the season. But uh, yeah, you, you read my mind, Matt, that, I'm not sure I care what percentage of the old Deshaun Watson we're getting in this game. They could trot one of us out there at quarterback yeah. or maybe even Zach Wilson and win this game by by at least a field goal. So, yeah, I think the teaser is solid here. The The Texans are bottom of the league, bottom three and rush DDVOA, 30th by PFF against the run. Handed to Chubb and Hunt 50 times and walk away with probably a double digit win still. Adam, if we look at this too, it's like, and this was kind of my, my handicap with this was people saying like, dude, why aren't you worried? This guy hadn't played any football and whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, an 80% Deshaun Watson or a 100% Jacoby Brissett, I would still be interested in the Browns like teaser leg in this thing, right? Like I, I, I don't, I don't care. give me 75% Deshaun Watson or a hundred percent Jacoby Brissett. I would still like to take the seven down to a one. So yeah. Okay. Give me a, give me only three quarters of what Deshaun Watson actually is. I don't think he's going to have to go out there and light it up through the air as it is in the first place. And so uh, the handicap was actually fairly simple to me. I think people might be even, dare I say, overanalyzing this because I don't think the play of Deshaun Watson is necessarily going to be a big factor in whether they win this game or not. Okay. This game's a trap and I'm going to pass. And I understand everything you guys just said. And I think a lot of it is based on what we think the Cleveland Browns are based on what we've seen them do at various points of the season. They haven't been that good lately in a lot of different ways. But the one that scares me, we talk about Chubb and Hunt, and I know how bad the Houston run defense has been and is. If we're to use that last four weeks that we've been using, the Cleveland Browns are 29th in rush EPA per play, not middle of the pack and had a little fall off like they're 29th. Um, I'm interested in the over even at the slightly inflated number that we're at right now. Open 43. There are still 46 and a half on the board if you want to play in that spot, uh, because the one thing I'm confident about is that the Browns will score. I also think the Texans will score. Uh, you guys can take the Browns to win the game. I understand everything about the handicap. I understand why it makes sense to you. Uh, to me, it isn't just about Deshaun Watson. To me, it's a lot about this Cleveland defense being almost as bad 
as Houston. No one's on that Chicago level that you mentioned, but this Cleveland defense is absolutely abysmal. And I wonder if even the Texans are going to be able to move the ball enough to bring this into the range where variance plays in. So I might look stupid in the end. The Browns might win this game by 17, but I'll pass. Yeah, uh, the other thing you did bring up is the total. That was my other angle in this one that I have this one circled. If if there are two different paths, I think, for this thing starting out super slow, which is one, there is the rust factor for Deshaun Watson. And two, maybe they just try to ease him into the game. And there is just a, an incredible amount of of run heavy approach at the beginning of this game. I think this is a prime in game over opportunity uh, at some point throughout the course of this game. So I, this is the one I have circled to make sure I keep an eye on, uh, on one of the TVs moving forward, because I think we might find ourselves into the first quarter. Maybe it's only three, nothing or something, or, you know, something like that, three, three, and we're going to get a really, really good number to come in on the over um, as these things kind of open up a little bit more. So that's a, uh, Another angle I think we can take in this game. Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. It is seven in favor of the Seahawks on the road at the Rams. 40 and a half to 41 is your total. Adam, maybe you could explain to me. Uh, seems like the Rams want to trot Matt Stafford back out there if he is able to play. Um, now, we don't know. If Why? He's going to be, I know. If I don't know. If he's going to be able to play, we don't know yet. But it seems like they want to to play him if he can go oh, Lord. Um, if not, we still don't know. It could be Walford. It could be part. We don't know. We don't, we don't, we have no idea who's playing quarterback for the Rams. I think at this point, it doesn't really matter to me. Like I said, this is a super, I, it's a, maybe since the first time since week two or three of the NFL season where it's a super, super heavy teaser week for me and Seahawks down to one to just win this game against this Rams team that Aaron Donald's not going to be out there. They have no receivers. They have no running backs. I mean, it's just it is it is bad, bad times there for for this Rams team. So, uh, again, I'm not I never fully bought in on the Seahawks completely as being a, an elite team. I do think they're good, though. I think that there's I think there's reason to believe that they're that they're good, you know, and without Aaron Donald, I think that they're probably even a tick better than that. So um, give me the Seahawks to win here. I think uh, I think Eugene is is good enough to uh, to win this game by a point. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, and it's completely a fate of the Rams. Yes. Uh, and and look, last week, the Los Angeles Rams nearly covered somehow against the Kansas City Chiefs with Bryce Perkins at quarterback. Um, that said, the Seahawks are getting, I think, a little bit of a fade right now from people because they gave up 40 in overtime to the Raiders. Look, that that was an all-time fluky game. If you watched most of that thing, um, the, the Raiders just lined up and ran the ball. And for whatever reason, Seattle didn't have it uh, last week. The, the Rams have nothing. I, I can't get behind anything with the Rams. I don't think it matters if Stafford plays. And, and just to add to the chorus, if you take a, a quarterback who might or might not be able to come out of the concussion protocol and throw him back there, you're crazy. Although Sean McVay did say that it is safe to say that Stafford is not going to play this yeah. week. So I okay. do believe that we're likely to get another uh, Bryce Perkins game, which, you know, oh my. Yeah, Perkins, <laughs> Perkins, Walford, whoever in the hell, doesn't matter to me. And I, I, even as you said, Adam, I, even if it was Stafford at this point, I, I'd probably still take 
the teacher like here with the with the Seahawks. Uh, Steven, we look, I think we were fair in our assessment of the Seahawks on this podcast over the course of the season where we were like, hey, look, we get it. Like they're much, much better than we thought, but not necessarily elite like some of this stuff might kind of portray. And I think we've seen that happen here over the last month of the season. But I do believe that they are much better than I thought. I do believe that I was wrong in the assessment of what this team is. And certainly on the defensive side, I think that they're not one of the bottom three or four units like I thought they were going to be. They might be more middle of the pack ish. And if that's the case and Eugene is playing quarterback as well as he is, um, you know, I, I think they can win this game by by, by a point. Is that Gino's real first name, Eugene? He is. He's Eugene Smith. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, every day. He, he's Eugene Smith. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, we do our power rankings every week. We do it for that week. And I think I had the Rams 30th this week. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's how low the Super Bowl champions have sunk. They don't have anybody left at this point. And if you look at the Rams offense statistically – they're not much better than the Houston Texans on the season. They're 31st in EPA. They're 29th in success rate, 29th in pressure allowed. They're dead last in yards per play, even worse than the Texans. Seattle minus one teaser leg all day on this one. I'm, I'm not interested in backing the Seahawks to win by double digits against anybody, to be honest with you, because I do think, like you said, this is an above average team, but not a top 10 mm-hmm. team. And we saw that their defense still has some holes against the Raiders last week. So don't really want to bet them to win by two possessions any week. But in a teaser leg against this offense, absolutely. Eugene. Cyril Smith the third guys, he could have he could have gone by Cyril and decided to that go by poor, Gino and yeah and I know, poor yeah. Kid. he could have been that Cyril like Cyril that's a pretty you know pretty cool cool name he should have went to college in Oregon in Eugene Oregon yeah I mean instead he chose to go Gino I mean he could have gone Eugene he could have been Cyril instead he's Gino Eugene Cyril Smith. I mean, I think we can all agree Gino is is a big upgrade from Eugene, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers are three and a half to four point home favorites over the Miami Dolphins. It is a total of 46 and a half. There is a 47 out there. Steven, I think you and I are on the same page when it comes to this one. I took the full four on the Dolphins as road underdogs in this thing. And basically what it comes down to with me I have started to really, really come around on the fact that this offense, whether you believe in Tua and his raw skill set or not, at this point, I think is irrelevant. We're 13 weeks into the season. 
what Mike McDaniel is doing with Tua Tagovailoa and this offense and how he is drawing things up has maximized not only the skill set of Tua and what he does do well, but getting the ball into these playmakers' hands, drawing up ways to get them involved, not only close to the line of scrimmage, but far further down the field as well. I think McDaniel might be one of these sharp ones, guys. Like, I think he might be one of these guys that we're talking about in five years when we say, oh, yeah, but the Mike McDaniel factor, right? I mean, like, it's, like it's one of the things where we say with Bill Belichick, but the Bill Belichick factor, like, I don't know. I think we might be talking about that with this Miami Dolphins team. It's almost like, it's almost beautiful how some of the beginning of these games are scripted and how they do with his plays and stuff. Like it, he is really, really maximized the talent level for this Dolphins team. And look, the 49ers defense is good. They ain't seen nothing like the Dolphins anytime soon, right? I mean, it has been, it's been clunker after clunker after clunker after clunker. And listen, they've shut down all those teams and there's something to be said for that in the NFL. I'm taking nothing away from the 49ers at all. I just think on the other side of a field goal, me getting a full four here with the Dolphins is just a little bit too much. Yeah, I'll take it one step further with Mike McDaniel. I I think he is sharp. And when we use that term, we're mostly talking about scheme and what you're doing from a statistical standpoint. So I think he's passed that test with flying colors. But I think he also has been the portrait of organizational leadership as well. From all the clips we see and what the players have to say about him – they love this guy. There's like a genuine rapport that has been built, not just with Tua, but the rest of the, the players on this roster where they've all completely bought in. They're all getting along so well. There's just a great camaraderie, it seems, in this locker room. And what he has done with Tua has been nothing short of amazing. If you strip out the three losses the Dolphins had without Tua, from week one to three, the Dolphins had the number one offense in the NFL in EPA a stat that the Chiefs have dominated in the Mahomes and Andy Reid era. If you go to week 7 through t- 12 when he came back, the Dolphins have been number three in EPA, number one in dropback EPA, a passing offense that hasn't just been good. It's been better than Mahomes in that stretch. So it has been remarkable, and this game is so fun because it is – Great strength in the Miami offense versus great strength in the San Francisco 49ers defense. And I kind of I'm going to use an analogy here. We're in the middle of the World Cup. I kind of look at this game like a double chance soccer bet. Do I want to bet on the 49ers to basically win by a touchdown or more in this game? Or do I want to bet on the Dolphins to win or lose by less than a touchdown? I'm going to take the double chance on the Dolphins here to cover four in this one with that offense. Adam, we take a look at this, uh, you know, Miami. It, it, the talk is just about the offense, you know, a, a ton. The defense that was really bad at the beginning of the year, and, and we, you talked about it, we're, there are different parts to the season. We can kind of chop things up. We can start to look. And uh, uh, each individual team's different seasons might look different, right? We might be able to say, Okay, this this is how this team profiles pre insert major injury here or whatever. Right. Or insert injury cluster here. Or this is how this team looks before, you know, this guy got fired or this whatever. This quarterback took over. Well, with the Dolphins, we're really really had that. Right. I mean, other than the the two of injury there for for a week and a half or whatever, we've had a pretty consistent look at what this Miami team looks like. And so what we have seen 
is an offense that has been at the top of the league all season long, but we've seen a defense that has started to creep up in the rankings in just in every little category. Now, not great by any stretch, but they were super poor at the beginning of the year and have started to play a little bit better along the way as well, which I think makes this team really dangerous against a team like the 49ers where the 49ers come at you definitely defensively each and every week, no matter what offensively, Let's uh, let's give them a little wiggle of the hand here. I mean, they scored 13 points on the Saints last week, and the Saints are no murderer's row on the defensive side of the ball at all. Now you got a banged up Christian McCaffrey, a banged up Debo Samuel. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is out for several weeks for this team, so they're not healthy on the offensive side. I more than a field goal just seems like too much for me in both Miami. So I think this is a game, guys, where. I'm going to play it or at least handicap it as you're either going to see Miami win this game outright, maybe not by a lot, but mm -hmm. Miami wins this game outright or San Francisco blows them off the field and you can play an alt out mm -hmm. to if you're comfortable with six and a half, if you're comfortable with seven and a half, I think you can do it. Now, here's why. <clears throat> as good as the Miami offense is, they are 31st in PFF pass blocking grade right now. And we know how good the San Francisco pass rush is. Now, very simply, can Mike McDaniel scheme around the San Francisco pass rush? Like this is the real test of Mike McDaniel right here. Can you get the ball out of Tua's hands quickly against a pass rush that is likely to wreck your offensive line? The answer is either yes or no. And if the answer is yes, then I think Miami wins this game outright. If the answer is no, then I think San Francisco might just take them and blow them away. Because if Tua goes back to anything that looks like the Tua that we just talked about, right? The Tua where the tools aren't right, then it's a matter of the scheme having broken down, not necessarily Tua having broken down. And we know that in past years, Tua Tungavailoa had the least time to throw before pressure of any quarterback in the NFL. So however you feel on that handicap is how you'll play this game. I gather you guys think that McDaniel can work around it and you want to talk last four weeks and I'm fine talking last four weeks mm -hmm. because this is inherently a small sample size sport. Yeah, we can talk about small sample size. We have 16 games. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, 17 games every year to talk about. Right. It's not baseball. We don't have 162 games to evaluate. You have 17 games. Yeah. So if you want to chop it up to four weeks, then you can look and say the Miami Dolphins are number one in drop back EPA. They're almost double the number two team. So, again, I think it's for me, this handicap is real simple. Comes down to that pass rush versus the offensive line of Miami. I don't have a play for it. I do think you could probably watch the first drive or two of this game and play it in game. If you figure out what is going to happen there, the if you look, if you look over the 49ers schedule and look, you, you can only play the teams that are put in front of you and you can only play them at, at what level. But they've really only played one good offense all year in the Chiefs. Right. And they they. They lost. Smoked. Yeah. And they, they gave up 44 points. They had, they had some injuries in that game. They, they did. They did. They did. But I mean, it's just and it's just been fortunate for them. Right. I mean, like we didn't know the Broncos were going to be terrible. We didn't know that the Bears were going to be as bad as they were. We had no idea that the Chargers were going to have cluster injuries on the on the wide receiver position. And we didn't know that the Saints were going to be as putrid as they are. So, I mean, look, the, the 49ers can only play who's put in front of them, but they really only played one good offense all year. And that one good offense did score 44 points. So just something to. 
to keep in mind with this one as well. Fascinating game. Guys, the afternoon games are lit finally. Yeah, like we I get like, uh, oh, it is going to be so awesome to be in front of a, a TV, specifically not only for this game, but for this one as well. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Guys, this is down to one and a half at DraftKings in favor of the Chiefs. You can still find a two and a half if you want to take Cincinnati over on FanDuel to pretty much the rest of the industry out there. Cincinnati took money and took money quickly. Uh, when we when we look at this one, Adam, this this opened three. That three did not last, but uh, but minutes. And those threes were instantly gone. I know one of the big groups out there put out a release on Cincinnati at three. We know Cincinnati has had a really good history against Andy Reid and this Chiefs team. And then we keep talking about these teams and their their arcs over the course of a season. There's, I think, no doubt whatsoever that Cincinnati is on the upward arc when it comes into this game uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. You get Jamar Chase back, and even without Jamar Chase, guys, I go in and I chopped up the season here to to uh, factor in the games in which Jamar Chase was out for the Cincinnati Bengals. The number one team in the NFL EPA per play on the offensive side of the ball, the Cincinnati Bengals. With Jamar Chase out, the number one offense DVOA in the NFL over the last four weeks with Jamar Chase out, the Cincinnati Bengals. They were getting it done without him. And, oh, by the way, Adam, they uh, they play defense, too, with DJ Reader back out there. I get why the money came in on Cincinnati. I'm probably going to pass because I think that it's probably appropriate at this point. Uh Maybe some sort of end game for me on Cincinnati if uh, if the Chiefs come out and score quickly or something like that. Maybe that'll be a look for me. Yeah, don't, to me, just look blindly at this game and look at the two, two and a half and say, oh, automatic teaser leg, right? <clears throat> because we're looking at a total of 53, right? Yeah, and so those points are a little sketchier when we're out all the way to 53. It's a pass for me also, Matt, because I think for me, this is the game where I find out is Kansas City really that much better than everybody else in the league, right? It, we have spent so much time talking about how is anyone truly good this year? They can go out and handle Cincinnati and handle them outside a teaser leg. Then they're probably that much better than everybody else. Uh, I'm not sure of it quite yet. Um, frankly, I was looking at the Rams last week at 16 and thought to myself, is Kansas City really a team that's going to blow anybody off the field mm-hmm. quite like that? Well, Let's find out. Let's find out how how they're going to be against uh, against Cincinnati. Again, you might want to bet it live, right? Like they might yeah. they might look great, uh, and you think to yourself, okay, yeah, I'm willing to lay more than a field goal with them if they go out and score quickly. But you mentioned a lot of good things about Cincinnati. There, the return to Jamar Chase can't be overstated. Um, I'll lay off this thing at the start. Yeah, I, I this is a this is an end gamer for me, Stephen. I. I I think if I can get the other side of a field goal with Cincinnati, like I said, if, if the Chiefs get the ball first and go down and score and I can get the other side of a field goal, I think that's going to be a, a live play for me, an in-game type deal. We talk about Jamar Chase coming back. Uh, DJ Reader coming back was the big thing last week. If you saw what they did to Derrick Henry and the Titans, like if you can't run on Cincinnati now at this point and they just have to like st- and they can actually just kind of sit back like we were talking about it, it, that this like shell defense that Patrick Mahomes – at, look, they figured it out to some extent, but it still does not allow them to function and run the offense like they want to. And the big problem with that has always been, well, you can sit back and you do all that, but you allow teams to gash you with the run. 
DJ reader last week, at least against the best, you know, the best running back in the, in the NFL certainly didn't allow him to get anything done either. So fascinating matchup, fascinating game. Dare I say that it was a benefit for Cincinnati to have to play the last four weeks without Jamar chase leading into a game like this and get Jamar chase back. You figured out how to win without him and now it can only get better with him back in there. I think this spread is just fascinating to me because typically when you see the chiefs at less than a field goal against anybody other than the Buffalo bills, it gets gobbled up and we're, it isn't less than a field goal for very long. And I know the chiefs are on the road here and it's not the same as when they hosted Buffalo earlier this season and Buffalo was a, I think a two and a half point favorite in that one. But um, it's, it's just a very interesting matchup here with the Bengals on their three game winning streak. My concern is a big step up in class here against the offense that they're going to face in this, in the stretch of the three games that they won, they played the Carolina offense, the Tennessee offense, whatever. And they gave up 30 points to the Steelers offense, which is a bit of a red flag for me when you're going to face Kansas city now. And what is interesting to me about the chiefs offense at this point, is that they're starting to find a run game. And I think they're starting to have Patrick Mahomes recognize defense and when there's a lighter box being totally okay with running Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh-round rookie out of Rutgers, against those lighter boxes. Because no matter how, how you split the advanced metrics, the Chiefs are at or near the top offensively, most notably with the passing game. But for most of the season, they've been a below-average rushing offense. But since Pacheco has taken over the past three weeks, the Chiefs are top 10 in rush success rate in that span. So this is a big discovery for them if they can be multifaceted now offensively. And I'm not convinced that the Bengals defense is good enough to stop them over the course of 60 minutes here. Now, I will also admit, I think the Chiefs defense is average at best. Yeah, so it's, it's fine. Just, it, it's yeah, fine. It's fine. It's fine. Especially when you have yeah. the offense that you have on the other yeah. side. So it's fine. Yeah. I mean, this is this to me feels like an expensive price on Cincinnati if you want to back them here. That's just my opinion. And I agree with Adam. You the Chiefs are the last team that I ever want to tease up against because they are the them and the Bills are the teams that are most likely to win by double digits against anybody. Oh yeah. That one was wiped off for me instantly. Cannot wait. For those two games, for sure. Like I said, I'll be looking in game there on Cincinnati if I can get on the other side of a field goal. Last afternoon game, the Chargers and the Raiders. As we sit right now, the Raiders are one point home favorites over the Chargers, a total of anywhere between 49 and 50. Uh, Steven, look, this is one of the first games I scratched off this week, so I don't have a ton here. Look, if we if we're doing this pod next week and we're talking about that the Chargers won by 10 or that the Raiders won by 10 or that either one of these teams won by 17, it wouldn't shock me at all. We've had incredible up and down performances from both of these teams all year. Both teams capable of lighting it up on the offense. Both teams have put out complete stinkers and duds. Games like this. If it's a coin toss, I'd rather just go flip coins. I, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's the most volatile game on the mm-hmm. slate, if you ask me. And we we talked about this when they played week one. Whenever these two teams play, it's just it's there's a whole large range of outcomes here. Derek Carr had three picks week one, but it was his first game in a new system, so who cares? 
Um, just a fun fact, since having a good cry at the postgame press conference, he's top <laughs> five in EPA the past two weeks. So this, that's a, that's know, a stat. Share that's your actionable, feelings, that's actionable information right there. It Listen, really men, share your feelings. Get it out there. Talk to somebody. It, it's it, yeah. And this guy's just I want you two to know this is a safe space. If you ever feel like you need to share some feelings, we can do that. But it is a pass for me as well. Adam, uh, maybe you have some insight here on this. Literally the first game I scratched off this week. I'm not even kidding. Like I go down every single week, scratch, literally the very first game that I scratched off. I didn't want to even waste any brain power on this one. No, that's fair. And I won't waste anybody's time with more analysis. Oh, you know, you, no, good, <laughs> All right. no good for you on this one either, huh? No. All right. Yeah. It's just, sorry guys. This one's just, you know, it'll be on a TV and it will exist and it will happen on earth. Actually down the street from me, it'll happen, but, uh, it won't be anything that I have my my hard-earned money on. Final game on the Sunday slate is the Colts and the Cowboys right now. 10, 10 and a half in favor of the Cowboys. 44 is the prevailing total, though you can find a 43 and a half. You can find a 44 and a half. So as always, we say shop around. I think this line is completely appropriate. Uh, Adam, I'll go to you. Cowboys are, are double digits better than the Colts. They are. Uh, this Colts team is... Exactly what we thought whenever they put in a rookie coach that's never coached before and a rookie play caller that's never called plays before and a quarterback that's complete dust in Matt Ryan. I mean, like the, the, the Colts are who the Colts are. The Cowboys are double digits better. I think 10's appropriate. If that's the case, probably not going to induce a bet from, from me. God help me. I am probably looking at that 10 and a half and can't lay off Indianapolis. Wow. All right. I I do tell. I I buy it with the Dallas Cowboys Mm. in terms of the defense. I don't bet defense. Bet offense. Mm. And look, the Colts have not been the defense we expected them to be, but they've been enough. And in terms of is this a team with backdoor potential? Remember we talked about the Giants earlier, said this is not a team with backdoor potential. If if they're just going to let Matt Ryan go out there and fling the ball around for a while, if he has the time to fling the ball around for a while, <laughs> then there's at least the potential here for it. I haven't played the 10 and a half. I'm not, uh, I'm not out here uh, advocating right. that sort of uh, enormous risk. But if this is the direction of this thing, and, you know, then... Uh, 44 and a half total 10 and a half on an Indianapolis team that for some reason I, I have not been able to completely quit. Um, I might actually do it. Yeah, there there's a 143 and a half. I'll have to see if that translates to the uh, sister book here in Vegas. If that's the case, I might play the over. I think the Cowboys can play into the thirties on their own. And so I'm asking for 10 points out of the Colts, like, you know, 10, 12 points out of the Colts. I think that's possible as well, even if it's garbage type stuff. So I might be looking at a, actually at a total in this one uh steven i know you you do have a bet in on this one yeah i'm i haven't made it quite yet Mm. i'm gonna play an alt total or i'm sorry an alt spread on the cowboys here i i think matt ryan and this offensive line are going to get completely dump trucked by this Mm. pass rush of the dallas cowboys he's a statue back there micah parsons and company are going to wreck this game for the colts offensively 
And we haven't talked much about Dak Prescott, but since returning from injury, top three in a lot of the advanced quarterback metrics, including number one in success rate, number two in completion percentage over expected. And the rushing offense during that span is up to top six now that Tony Pollard's getting more work here. So I think there's an argument to be made that Dallas is the best team in the NFC, and I can't wait for them to play the Eagles here coming up soon now that they have Dak back. I think it's an interesting debate on whether or not Dallas is the top team. The books have the 49ers ahead of the Eagles now as the top team, despite the Eagles in line to get the one seed still. But, you know, Matt, I'm going to let you kind of play game show here. You you take your pick. If you had to pick Cowboys minus 13 and a half at plus 122, minus 16 and a half at plus 173, <laughs> or minus 19 and a half at plus 243, which I'd, one of those you take? I'd probably just take the 13 and a half. The, the two touchdowns. <laughs> Two touchdowns, still a lot. You know, people have had, these teams have had trouble. Tell me about it with with what happened on Thanksgiving at the end of the game, by the way, with the Cowboys. That was a frigging killer. Absolute madness. Guys, we'll have a full breakdown of Monday Night Football, so be sure and check the channel. Uh, We'll have a a standalone video on all of that. As As always, everything we do, absolutely free. So go ahead, help us out. It costs you nothing to support us. Just hit the subscribe button down below. Give us a thumbs up. That's how you can do your part. We're not asking for money. Just give us a thumbs up. That's all we're asking for here. And if you're listening to the audio portion of this, subscribe, rate, review. That also helps us climb the charts. We do appreciate that as well. You want to follow Adam at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. You want to follow Steven at Steven Anderson, one. You want to follow me at Matt Brown, M2. Good luck on all your bets here in week 13. 